this morning, as we continue to remember the goodness of God, this morning on the last Sunday of 2020, we turn to the Bible to hear what God has to say about remembering. Our text this morning is Psalm 78. It's a psalm written by a man named Asaph, and you can turn there, but you'll see there are 72 verses, so buckle up. Here we go. I'm just kidding. We're not going to read all 72 verses. For right now, I just plan on reading the first eight verses that introduced Asaph's poetry, and then we're going to jump around to key verses in the psalm throughout our time. So if you're able, whether you're here on campus worshiping with us or if you're worshiping online, turn to Psalm 78 and stand for the reading of God's word. You can follow along in your Bible or on the screen. When, you, when you're there, say amen. amen. All right. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. This is God's word. You may be seated. The phrase that we've used at the title for this sermon, don't forget, if we're honest, is kind of a difficult one for us this year. On one hand, life as we know it has changed, right? No matter how many times we hear about getting back to normal, the world is fundamentally different. The reality is there's no going back. 2020 has been monumental in a lot of different ways, and it's going to be a hard one to forget. On the other hand, for many of us, we would like nothing more to do than to forget everything that 2020 brought, right? Leave it in the past, never go back there again, which is why uh, when I think about that, I think of one of my favorite Pixar characters from the movie Finding Nemo, Dory. If you haven't seen the movie, Dory is this blue tang, this blue fish who suffers from short-term memory loss. She runs into this clownfish named Marlin looking for his son named Nemo, and as they both set out to look for him and bring him home, you can't help but wonder how in the world this is going to work when Dory turns around every time and forgets what's going on. And when she first introduces her short-term memory loss, she tells Marlin, she says, I'm so sorry, see, I suffer from short-term memory loss. And when he doesn't believe her, she says, it's true, I forget things almost instantly. It runs in my family. At least I think it does. Memory is this tricky thing, right? Too often we think of it like a video recording, right? But study after study has shown that none of our memories are recollections of things as they actually were. They're all reconstructions of what we think happened which is why it's so easy to misremember or not remember or even have some false memories. Because we struggle so much to remember, it should come as no surprise that over and over again in the Bible, God wants to remind us. Over and over again, he commands us to remember. Don't forget, because as human beings, we tend to forget things almost instantly. It runs in our family, and forgetting is dangerous. You see, the Spanish philosopher Jorge Santayana once wrote, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. And even as you pick up the McShane reading plan together with us in this new year, you'll find in the storyline that this reality comes to pass over and over again in the history of God's people. We forget. But you don't have to read through the whole Bible to see this, right? This is why we picked the text of Psalm 78 for this morning. Because at the end of the year, at the end of a year like 2020, 
We all need encouragement and hope, and the biblical way to find that encouragement and hope is to remember. Because, and here's the main thing I'm trying to communicate this morning, so if you're taking notes, here's my main point. Remembering what God says and does cultivates faithfulness. Remembering what God says and does cultivates faithfulness. There's this Old Testament scholar that explains the emphasis on remembering in the Bible like this. He says, the Hebrew, the Israelite, was called to walk backward into the future, always keeping an eye on the past through the festivals and meditation on God's law and acts. To walk backwards into the future, always keeping an eye on the past. And that's what I want us to do this morning as we anticipate 2021. I want us to walk backwards into the new year through Psalm 78 with three commands that basically mean the same thing. Refresh your memory, don't forget, and remember. One point said three different ways because, let's be honest, it is way too easy to forget. Refresh your memory, don't forget, and remember. So I'll start with the first eight verses that we just read from Asaph's psalm. You see, in these eight verses, like I just did, Asaph gives you what he's trying to do. Right? He shows you his cards. He's using poetry to tell a story that has purpose. These eight verses set us up for this long and historical psalm that cuts through our hearts and tells us about a history that must not repeat itself. They also set us up for a psalm that uses history to comfort us, to remind us of God's amazing works, his incredible grace, even through his just judgments, to proclaim his unfailing promise of a place and a king for his people. But in order for us to see this psalm as for us, as we read it, we have to see the history of Israel as the history of God's people, all of God's people. A history where over and over again, it seems like God's people are actively trying to get rid of God, to rebel against him, to run away from him. And still, God refuses to let his people destroy themselves because he loves them. But it will never be for us if we don't see ourselves among these people. Yes, we're adopted into the family, but we are still part of the family nonetheless. They are commands for us to remember not just for Israel thousands of years ago, but for us now. Encouragements, pleadings for us, like like almost a, a flare sent up from generations past who know what it's like to see God's faithfulness and then almost immediately live as if they've forgotten what he'd done. The question is, will we see them as warnings and will we listen? Will we actually see ourselves in the striking contrast in this psalm of the unfaithfulness of God's people and the incredible faithfulness of God? You see, Psalm 78 is history, but it's not just a a passive retelling of history. It's an active history that confesses truths about God. It, It praises him for what he's done, demonstrates faith in the one who acts in history because his acts reveal who he is. What he does reveals who he is. They make him known. And in doing so, history becomes almost like a statement of faith to pass down to the next generation. Which means Psalm 78 is both this great opportunity to meditate privately on what God has done, as well as an important way to publicly worship together the God who acts in history. And that's why Asaph begins the way he does. Listen to me. Refresh your memory. Look at verse 1. He begins, My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. What he offers here to those who pay attention is a true understanding of the past in common everyday language. The words of my mouth. 
And what is it about? We'll look at verse 3. We'll jump ahead. Things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. He's about to explain what has happened before. It's almost like we just walked into his classroom and he's handed us the History 101 syllabus. But look at verse 2. Things are not as straightforward as they seem. He clarifies. He says, I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. You see, a parable is this, basically a story, maybe even just a saying that teaches, that instructs. So what he's telling us here is that the history lesson he's about to give is meant to do more than just check the knowledge box. Right? I got it. I know what happened. I can fill out the timeline on the test. I have all the dates memorized. No, there's truth here. Truth that transforms. And so what he's about to do is reveal the truth about the past. Not just the factual reality, but the theological reality of history. Uh, for anyone who has spent any time with my wife Jocelyn, you quickly find out that she's creative, crafty, in the best sense of that word, and, and loves to love people by making them something special. One of her favorite phrases is, I can totally make that. She says it a lot. And for a while, she was really into cross-stitching. She would follow a pattern, stitch after stitch, stitching different thread colors even as she went. And if you look at one of those patterns from the bottom, it's kind of hard to tell what's happening because it's just this tangle of strings. But once you flip it, you can actually see the whole picture. It makes a lot more sense. In some way, Asaph is telling us in his history classroom that history alone looks like a mess, a tangle of strings. It's a riddle that needs to be clarified. And he is about to do that through poetic storytelling. He's going to explain the riddle of the past, flip it into a lesson for us now and for future generations. But this is not just Asaph's intention in Psalm 78. This is actually the intention of the whole Bible. To explain what has happened and why it has happened. To infuse history with theology. To recount how God has acted in the world in order to reveal who he is and how he will continue to act in the world. Refresh your memory. But why? Why is Asaph doing this? Look at verses 4 through 5. Why does the Bible do this? Because we are not going to hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. Why? Because the next generation needs to know. They need to know what God has done, his power and his wonders. They need to know what God has said, his statutes and his law. God's deeds and God's words. Why? Because God commanded them to pass it down. You actually get this command in Deuteronomy 4.9. God tells his people, listen to this, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to your, their children after them. Do not forget. Don't let them fade. Teach them to the next generation and the next generation. Refresh your memory and build up the memory of your descendants. Feed the memory of the generations with the deeds and words of God so that they would, look at verse 6, know them and so that they could tell their children. Keep passing this down. But it's not for nothing. right? It's, it's not just to preserve culture or to keep tradition alive, although those things are important. Look at verse 7. It's so that they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commandments. The reason you obey this command of God is because in doing so, in recounting who God is and what he has done and what he has said, generation after generation will trust God. They will have faith. 
Simply put, they will trust that he is who he says he is because he did what he said he would do for their parents and their grandparents. It's a legacy of faith that they pass on. They will trust him. They won't forget, and then they in turn will be obedient. You see, the point of remembering, of refreshing your memory, is not just to make sure you have all the facts right so you can tell the story. It's so you stay on the right path. So you continue to live the life that God commands us to live. So you continue to live faithful to the God who saved you. And this is a community endeavor. We so often miss this and think it's just something to be done in family units. No, we are to do this in the family unit of God. So for all of us that are worshiping here on campus or even online worshiping at home, we obey this command together. Not just in our own homes, but within the family of God. This is for us as a whole to refresh each other's memories. And even specifically, yes, to pass down the memory to the youngest among us. Like I've said before, and Hannibal has said before, and we reiterate over and over again at this church, is that this is not just the future of the church. These children are the church right now. And we are to refresh their memory. We are to tell them about what the Lord has done for us, what the Lord has done for his people. Not just because it's nice, but because it is necessary. Look at verse 8. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. The whole point of passing down these stories of what God has done is so that the next generation and the next generation and the next generation would learn from the mistakes of previous generations. They would demonstrate loyalty and faithfulness to God. They would be humble and obedient to God. This is the way Asaph sets up his history lesson. Welcome to the classroom. I'm about to untangle our history so you see the beauty that God is weaving in and among his people. Welcome to the classroom to hear what God has done and said and how that reveals who he is. I'm going to do what he commands and tell you so that you can tell your children and then they can tell their children and they can tell their children so that our people as a whole might trust God and obey him. Let me refresh your memory because remembering what God says and does cultivates faithfulness. This is the one truth that comes out of this retelling of this complex history of God's people. This is the theology of history that teaches us how to live. Remembering what God says and does cultivates faithfulness. So from verses 9 through 72, Asaph does that over and over again. And he actually, in the psalm, splits it into two sections that I'm calling Don't Forget and Remember. See, this is the power of memory because retelling history Reminding us of the past, refreshing our memory, gives us these specific truths that we can hold on to, and they empower us for what the text says is victorious and obedient living. And look at how he does that. He starts at verse 9, he uses the history to tell us don't forget. From verse 9 to 39, that first section, Asaph retells a story, and which stories does he tell? The story of the Exodus and the wilderness. And we don't have time to walk through all of that this morning, although I would have loved to do that, and we could have spent three or four hours here. But how God saved his people from Egypt and how he kept them as they crossed the wilderness is the focus of this section. The stories throughout these verses are about these external threats of enemies on all sides. But the emphasis, the echo over and over in is don't forget. Look at verse 11. They forgot what he had done, the wonders he had shown them. You see, the problem of God's people on the other side of Egypt, and let's be honest, the problem of God's people on the other side of the cross is that we too easily forget what God has done, the wonders he has shown us. We too easily forget. For God's people in the wilderness, as they're looking back on Egypt, the rescue of the Exodus starts to get blurred out in the rearview mirror. 
For us now, the cross becomes this distant memory, this nice story. We forget the wonders of his salvation. We get caught up even in complaining. We miss not only what he's doing right in front of us, but we struggle to remember what he's done in the first place. We forget. And that leads us to a place where the only constant is not remembering, but rebellion. It's not faithfulness, but faithlessness. Look at verse 17. They continue to sin against him, rebelling in the wilderness against the Most High. God's people forget what he has done in the Exodus, saving them from Egypt, and pretty soon the border of Egypt turns into the wilderness and their forgetting turns into rebellion. Because this is where forgetting leads. Asaph pleads with us not to forget, not because it's nice to just keep the stories alive for the next generation, but because remembering what God says and does cultivates faithfulness. And not remembering, forgetting, cultivates rebellion. Look ahead at verse 32. In spite of all this, they kept on sinning. In spite of his wonders, they did not believe. If it sounds like I'm laying it on thick, it's just because I'm reading what Asaph is doing. Right? Asaph starts to recount the judgment of God on his people for their sins, their rebellion, and even that doesn't turn them around. In spite of all this, in the face of God's judgment, they continued their rebellion. In the face of his wonders, they refused to believe to trust, to demonstrate their faithfulness. And also, if I'm honest and confessing with you guys this morning, these are the stories in the Bible where I'm so quick to just get really self-righteous. I don't know if I'm the only one to do that. But I look at the stories and I start to compare and contrast myself with the characters in the story, finding all the reasons why I would never do that, why I would be faithful to God in that situation. Hindsight is 2020, right? If I take a good look at myself, my shortcomings are not so different from theirs. Now, our actions might look different. I'm not gathering all the, the gold that I have in my house, putting it in the oven and worshiping whatever comes out. But the heart that is broken and fueled by sin is the same. I mean, look at what Asaph says in verse 35 to 37. They remembered that God was their rock, that God most high was their redeemer. But then they would flatter him with their mouths, lying to him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him. They were not faithful to his covenant. You see, Asaph recounts their actions on this historical timeline, but what he zeroes in here on is their heart, the heart behind their actions. They remembered, but their memory was actually kind of short-lived, and soon it was tainted by disloyalty and faithlessness, unfaithfulness. They forgot almost immediately, and that forgetting started to run in the family. You see, when we neglect to remember who God is, what he has done, and what he has said, we experience what one writer calls an ungrateful amnesia. Right? We forget to thank him for his grace, and the ungratefulness slowly distorts us into, as the text says, these resentful cowards lying, trying to fix all the things while entertaining idols in our own hearts. And if that seems harsh, take it up with the word. Right? We, we have glimmers of remembrance, but without consistency and constantly remembering those glimmers flicker for a second and then are put out by our own suffocating sin. And if we keep going this way, history tells us that our condition will be passed on to our children, to the next generation. Don't forget, Asaph pleads with us. This isn't just about you. This is about the entire family of God, even those who haven't existed yet. But the reason we obey, and here's what I love about this psalm, the reason we obey is not guilt or fear, but grace. Look at the next verse, verse 38. Yet, and I love that word in the Bible because it means God's about to do something awesome. Yet, he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities, their sins. He did not destroy them. Time after time, 
Sounds like a whole lot of grace there. Whole lot of mercy. He restrained his anger and did not stir up his full wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a passing breeze that does not return. This is the center of Psalm 78. And actually the center theology of the Bible. God, being merciful, forgave and did not destroy. He restrained his anger. He remembered even when we didn't. And the gospel tells us that there was a day, that there was a day that he unleashed his full anger, but it wasn't on us. He unleashed it on his own son who took the full cup of God's wrath. He took the complete punishment for our sin fully on himself. He was merciful so that time after time after time, he no longer had to restrain his anger because it was completely satisfied in Jesus. No, in Christ, he remembers that we are human, that we are weak, but in Christ, he saves us from our sin and makes us who he created us to be, faithful to him, in relationship with him. Don't forget. But even if you do, he remembers our weakness. He sent Jesus, and now we remember what God says and does, not because we need to find a way back to him, but because he made a way back to us. And in remembering what he has said and done in Christ, we cultivate faithfulness. Remembering what he said and did in Christ, we cultivate faithfulness. Refresh your memory. Don't forget. But now we step into the next section of Psalm 78. In verses 40 through 72, Asaph finds another synonym, again, to say the very same thing because it's so easy to forget. He says, remember. From verse 40 to 72, Asaph continues the story of God's people in the wilderness going into the promised land, how God kept his people as they crossed the wilderness, how he cleared the way for them into the promised land. But the stories throughout these verses, instead of focusing on the external threats of enemies in that first section, start to look at the internal pressures of hearts that wander. Like the hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And yet even as Asaph recounts these wanderings, he continues to echo the theological lesson. Remember, look at verse 42. They did not remember his power the day he redeemed them from the oppressor. You see, this is the problem Asaph is telling us through this psalm. They didn't remember. They were not actively remembering the power he showed on their behalf in Egypt. Isn't that so like sinful humanity? Isn't that so like us? As we forget, we don't even realize that we're being shaped by other rhythms. We begin to forget God's redemption. I mean, Israel forgot how he saved them from Egypt through the Exodus, and in the same way, we tend to forget how he saved us from sin through his cross and resurrection. And when that happens, our faith and our love start to shrink, just like it did for them. I mean, by verse 56, they're putting God to the test and their rebellion continues. They don't keep his statutes. They ignore what he says. But look at the text. It's not just their actions. Verse 57, like their ancestors, they were disloyal and faithless, as unreliable as a faulty bow. Disloyal, faithless, as unreliable as a faulty bow. Remember, because when you forget, you rebel. When you forget, you become disloyal and faithless. When you forget, your heart starts to wander, starts to pursue other desires. Remember. Why? Not just to avoid rebellion, but because it truly is awesome what God has done for his people. Look at the end of the psalm, verses 70 through 72. He chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. 
And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. After everything that Asaph has recounted, what shines brightly at center stage, at the center of history, is not how unfaithful God's people were, but how faithful God was. Despite everything that happened, from the exodus to the wilderness to the promised land, despite all of their complaining and frustration, all of their lying and flattery, all of their rebellion and arrogance, despite all of God's judgments ignored and his ways twisted, still he shows mercy. Still he shows grace. Still he brings them into the land he promised and he gives them the king he promised them. Remember. Remember how God has dealt with you. Remember his kindness. Remember his holiness. Remember his goodness. Remember. Instead of rebelling, remember. Think about this for a minute. Why do we as Christians, maybe especially as Christians, struggle with sin so much? Why are there sins that are just so tempting, so alluring, so enticing, that even the Bible describes them as sins that so easily entangle us? Because we forget. Because we don't remember. Because we have allowed ourselves to be shaped by another story, by other quote-unquote saviors. We've been discipled, not in the way of Jesus, but in the way of the world, in our pride, in our greed, in our lust. We have been captured by a distorted history rather than a theological history. And yet... And yet, even caught up in sin, even entangled in our own rebellion, and entranced by our own desires, God calls to us. He calls us to repent, and in Christ, he makes a way back to himself. Because the gospel tells us that God is the one who forgets. Let me explain what I mean. Verses 32 through 39 in Psalm 78 tell us that God will never turn us away when we return, because he knows our weakness. At the end of the psalm, it shows us that God is always working for our good, even and especially when we don't deserve it. The timeline of God's people, if you read the Bible, don't, doesn't actually end where Asaph ends his telling of history. As Christians, we know that this desire to remember was not fulfilled. Unfortunately, history did repeat itself, and God's people continued to forget. They continued to neglect their duty to remember, and yet, we also know that God kept his promise because one greater than David came to shepherd his people. One who says in John 10, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Why do I say that God forgets? Because history, that the history of Israel that was recounted in this psalm with accusation after accusation of disloyalty and faithfulness is contrasted with a the theme in this psalm that weaves its way in and out of the story, of every story that he gives, and it's the theme of God's faithfulness. Over and over again, it is clear that God's faithfulness is Israel's only hope, is our only hope as God's people. I mean, here's the power of an active and constantly refreshed memory because we are constantly reminded that he is faithful even and especially when we are faithless. In 2 Timothy 2.13, Paul reminds us that if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. For those of us who are in Christ, we really are in Christ his faithfulness is not dependent on our faithfulness, but on the reality that we belong to Jesus. That is why he is the one who forgets, because in Jesus, he really does forget our sin and our rebellion. Look at Hebrews 10, 15 through 22. I'll put it up on the screen. The, we read here, here, starting in verse 15, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. 
We must remember because that is how our faithlessness is transformed into faithfulness. Because remembering what God says and does cultivates faithfulness. And what he says and does is that he forgets our sins in Christ because Jesus has paid them all. It is the practice of memory, of living with an immediate sense of God's redemption, his provision. Yes, even his judgment and especially his love. But there's not, I'm not trying to sell you a magic phrase or practice. Simply repeating these stories does nothing for us. Look at verse 18 through 22 of Hebrews 10. And where these have been forgiven, things that have been forgotten, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Therefore, brothers and sisters, therefore, TVC, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way he opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. water. This is a rhythm that we need to repeat, that we need to remember. But if it stays out there, it does nothing for us. Each of us have to grab hold of God's promises, cling tight to his grace, hope in Jesus, and keep his commands. That's part of it too. We have confidence to enter God's throne room because of the blood of Jesus, so we remember and we respond. We follow the good shepherd into the throne room of God, sincerely, truly, fully assured by the faithfulness of Christ. Not the ancient memory of David, but the living and active King of kings and Lord of lords, King Jesus. But again this morning, I confess that more often than not, I need to be reminded more than I need to learn something new. That's why the Bible reminds us over and over again. But maybe you're here this morning and this is new information for you. If so, I'm really glad that you're here and that you're hearing this. And my encouragement to you is that you would read Psalm 78. Or better yet, as you enter into 2021, pick up the Gospel of Mark and figure out what in the world this guy up here is talking about. Like I mentioned at Christmas Eve, your doubts, your questions, your skepticism, they're all welcome here. And they run into Jesus here. And I just encourage you to find out what he says about them. But for some of us here, this really isn't new information. And if so, the end of the psalm confronts us by leaving us with an unspoken question. You see, Asaph ends his psalm kind of suddenly, Right? He doesn't clearly resolve the history of Israel. He starts talking about David and then it just sort of stops. And so he leaves us with a question. What would you do? What will you do now? How will you show faithfulness to God by refusing to forget, by remembering, by clinging to the one who forgets our sins but will never forget us? If remembering what God says and does cultivates faithfulness, then as the year comes to a close, I want us to walk into the future backwards. I want us to refresh our memory. Don't forget, remember. Remember his faithfulness. And may that cultivate faithfulness in us. I'll end with this. Finding Nemo has a sequel that my daughters really, really enjoy. I also enjoy, if I'm being honest, called Finding Dory. And we finally get to meet Dory's family. It's this long journey back home for Dory. But the movie ends with this beautiful scene where Dory and Marlin are overlooking the drop-off where they first met, looking out over the open ocean. And Marlin tells Dory, it really is quite a view. She's lost in the wonder of it all, and she says, yeah, unforgettable. 
May we walk into 2021 backward with that same kind of wonder at all that God has said and done for us in Christ. Unforgettable. Would you pray with me? Unforgettable, God, you are unforgettable, and yet we still manage to forget your faithfulness. We pray that in this new year, you would become unforgettable to us again. But we confess that we know how easy it is for our hearts to wander. We know how hard it is for us to remember. We know how often we forget, and so we pray this morning that your faithfulness would shine bright in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would see this new year with your eyes, with eyes of faith, that every situation, every conversation, every decision, every experience would be infused with the gospel that we might see how your message of mercy and grace would reshape our reality. Prone to wander, Lord, we feel it. Prone to leave the God we love. But as we enter 2021, hear our hearts, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. Hold on to us. When we doubt, hold on to us. You know the difference between faithful and arrogant doubt. And when we are faithless, would you remain faithful like you said you would? As we end 2020, like the Father in the gospel says, we believe, would you help our unbelief? May we remember what you have said and done in Christ. May the power of the gospel and memory cultivate faithfulness in us. And now, Lord, we take a moment to just reflect, to just remember what you've done in this year things that are hard, things that we don't understand, things that are amazing that we couldn't have ever even asked for. Lord, as we sit here in silence, would you bring to mind by your spirit all that you have done in this year? Would you remind us of your faithfulness? continue to remember your faithfulness this past year how long we've known you even before when we didn't know you may we enter into 2021 walking backwards seeing how you have worked in your word and among your people it's in your son's name that we pray amen